In partnership with Paizo, the No Direction Network welcomes you to our Gen Con online seminar coverage. Hello, welcome to the Delving into Organized Play panel at Gen Con Online, in which members of the No Direction Network will talk to Paizo staff about the past, present, and future of Paizo's organized play program. I am from the No Direction Network. My name is Ryan Costello. I'm joined by... Jason J. Thacker, also known as Baron. And our guest today is the organized play manager, Tanya Woolridge. Hello, Tanya. Hi, everyone. Always a delight when we get to talk to you. How are you doing? Pretty good. You? I'm pretty good. But I got thinking, you know, we've talked to most people about like how their Gen Con this year is different from the past. But I have a feeling nobody's Gen Con this year is as different from last year's as yours. That is absolutely true. The one thing was the same. I was still up very late, early, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, making sure <laughs> things were ready for the launch. I, I feel you there. Setup also seemed to last forever for us, too. Yeah, that, that you know, I would have taken that one going away in, in terms of some <laughs> of the things that I could have done without. So. so when I think of Gen Con and I think of Paizo, I think of the line to eventually get the sold out books and... <laughs> The SAG, the Sagamore Ballroom that is every year bursting with more and more Pathfinder and Starfinder Society players. So what is the Gen Con online equivalent of that SAG experience? It is our Paizo Organized Play online events Discord where we're running everything through it. So uh, you can find the link to it if you're not part of it on our paizo.com slash Gen Con page. Uh, also ways to get involved and the Gen Con schedule is linked up there. So. And so this is, it, is what the PaizoCon Discord channel evolved into, right? Yes. So mm -hmm. we decided we didn't want to remake it again and again and again <laughs> as we started looking at all these mm -hmm. online conventions. Yeah. So uh, we renamed it to be more generic. We used it for what was our replacement to Origins. When Origins folded, we did concurrent in it. And now we're doing this one. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks to do uh, virtually Expo, which is the UK Games equivalent Expo uh, <laughs> online conversion. Concurrent was such a brilliant name, actually, so kudos for that. Um, is it too late if somebody's watching this stream and they're like, hey, this Pathfinder Starfinder stuff looks awesome. How do I get to play it? Is it too late to get into a game? It isn't. Go to the Gen Con catalog and search for PFS or SFS in the search bar, and it will bring up all the games that still have seats. If you find something that says sold out, come over to the Discord server, and we've still got cues for those uh, wait lists or the wait lines that we used to have running all the way around the SAG. We've got virtual wait lines for everyone to jump into and say they're looking for a game and we'll get you seated from there. Will we into the costing people this year? $2 for a scenario, free if you're doing quests or bounties. So. Oh, I was just wondering if, if we have the experience of people holding up the binder folders. It's like, looking for three level ones. Uh, no, we don't have people mustering their groups, but we do have a lot of our HQ musterers walking through going, we've got two seats at a level one four table. This is the scenario. Do you want to play? So, oh, Another part that was super important from OP is, do you have any... Uh, what about people that are wanting to like make their first characters? Do you have any crew helping or assisting with that? We do. We have an entire channel that is nothing but character creation and all of our... We're, we're calling them HQ Skitter Goblins now. So they <laughs> <laughs> programs. Oh, this shirt um, looks and, so great. 
Exactly, exactly. If we're going to put it on the shirt, we're going to give you the title too. So uh, they're in there answering questions, pointing to resources, helping people get involved. And then at the end, we normally stay for a couple of days after the convention and point people towards the online region Discord mm -hmm. server, which is pfschat.com, I want to say. I don't think it's .org, it's .com or .net. Um, I really need to remember that. Uh, but <laughs> they run games all through the year. So when we're not active on our server, there's games running through that server. Mike M91 in chat says, PFS Special is sold out except French and Russian. There's a couple of things I want to talk about here. Let's first talk about how this is a multilingual PFS special. Is that the first time that's ever happened? I think so. We've done them in other countries, but it's always been contained within that single uh, geographical unit. So we've had uh, online uh, house GMs coordinating different cities, but always in the same kind of pool. Uh, I was dropping into the different voice channels in the Discord earlier, and it was so cool to just sit there and listen to the table run in Russian. Couldn't understand a word of the game. But just to sit there and take that in was awesome. So yeah, I one time tried to translate a PFS uh, scenario on the fly, and I realized that is not something you can do. Nope. No, the I French think the closest is not thing flowery enough. Yeah, I was at a table that was run English French, and the GM being bilingual, maybe multilingual, was was sitting there firing to whichever part of the table needed it, um, and I could pick up like two words in ten, and I was like, ah. That is impressive because yeah, no. I know Ryan is is also bilingual and and has such a he's he's expressed to me how difficult that can be live. Yes, mm -hmm. like the having what I call the Han Solo Chewbacca relationship, where you're both speaking your native language because receptively you understand each other better than expressively. That I can do, but translating on the fly is much much harder. Yeah. So uh, the other thing about that comment that I want to talk about is that it is sold out. So famously the pfs special sells out every year and if you show up and you are patient and hopeful a lot of the people that didn't manage to get tickets do still manage to get a seat at the sag is that something that they can also hopefully expect to do at the at the virtual sag yes absolutely uh we we're seeing people no show we're seeing people drop late you know last minute plans oh i'm going to be there work called oh, i'm going to be there my internet went down whatever happens uh so we have the ability to add people into tables to get them up to that hardcore hard line of six so we will we will seat as many people as we can you know so, until we just run out of jams yeah i was gonna ask like you know with the sag there's you know there's a limit there's a hard limit of how many people we can legally shove in that room uh, but online, it's different. So it sounds like GMs is the limiting factor here. So what if a GM wanted to step up to the plate? Anyone that wants to run an interactive special, I will send you the files now. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll plug you in because unfortunately, we'll probably lose one GM between oh, now no. and then just due to life. Whether uh, we had one for the Starfinder special today that was messaging us, my internet went down. Uh, I'm hopeful it will be up. And then all of a sudden, the gods must have heard because uh, the internet came up and they were ready to run. But, yeah. you know, just technology can step in in ways that are unforeseeable. Yeah, I mean, I like a, a lot of like Southeast United States went out while we were hosting PaizoCon. So we understand that that happens. Uh, exactly. So when, when is the special? Uh, we're running them in the afternoon this year. We're doing them at 2 p.m. So today, Starfinder fi uh, fired. Tomorrow, 2 p.m. will be Eastern. I should say 2 p.m. Eastern will uh -huh. be the Pathfinder special. And then Sunday at 2 p.m. is the 2 3 p.m. Because we're pushing an hour back on Sundays 
is the Adventure Card Society special that's running. So we have one of those this year that went, it was first at PaizoCon and then they ran it at Concurrent and it's getting a lot of attention and people think it's really great and it's replayable. So come on out and play again. So how has the Adventure Card Game been during this online con season? Because that's the one that's most curious for me because it's the one that is least obvious how it would be happening. So a couple of years ago, uh, VC Cartman Beck started an initiative to put the cards into an Excel spreadsheet mm -hmm. and be able to run distance games through this Excel platform. When COVID hit, they decided to move to Tabletop Simulator and built an entire tabletop in that that you can just download and run with all pictures of the cards in there. Um, they did it as a labor of love with our permission using our IP. We said, yeah, please, <laughs> we want people to play in, in you know, mm -hmm. when they can't and we wanna be socially responsible on this. So uh, they put all the effort into it. You can go in, there's all of the adventure packs. You can build your deck. It shuffles cards for you. It deals them out. You have to build the decks. That's kind of the only thing, but with a little bit of spin up, you can get in and run a game for anyone. So is that like the second edition, or sorry, not second edition, the, the new version of the card game, or is this like the uh, the older edition of the card game? No, this is the new one, the, the, okay. uh, the new core set base set. It's got mm -hmm. the Crimson Throne expansion in it, and it's got a demo set up to do Dragon's Demand on it. So if you just want to go in and test it. We don't have a partnership with Tabletop Simulator, mm -hmm. but you know we looked at it and it's a $20 buy-in. So right. if you're going to spend a little bit of money, discretionary income on some gaming, it would seem like a good investment and only one person has to have it. Especially like this yeah. isn't the only thing you can do with tabletop simulator. Oh yeah. no, Same. there's loads of things in there. I mean, as a no direction, especially since COVID, we've been doing all sorts of tabletop stuff on simulator. And really, if you, if you are a board game role play gamer of any variety, that's that's pretty good software you should maybe take a peek at. <laughs> so how did you decide how many of each tier, now that uh, Pathfinder Society's second edition is one year old? Like how many high level players can you expect with the special? Through a dart at the dartboard. Um... Oh. <laughs> can I see the dartboard? That's a really cool dartboard. <laughs> No, it was a lot of guessing. Um, we looked at the goals of this year. We looked at trying to get new players in. We looked at what our pre-generated characters can really highlight. And anytime you give a new player a fifth level or higher pre-gen, it slows down the table and it kind of breaks down the experience a little bit. And so we erred on the favor that we were still rolling out a new edition and we were going to weight it lower. Um, when all of the high-level tables sold out, that told me that maybe that wasn't quite the right thing. Uh, so we will be re-looking at the numbers. But this will not be the last time it's run, given that we've already approved it, I think, for seven or eight other online events through oh, the wow. end of 2020. And you can play it once at every tier. So if you got, you know settled for a tier one, two ticket, you'll be able to come back and play at another online event in that five, eight higher. So... Um, yeah, there's three different bands you can play it in. I think it's one, two, three, six, seven, and eight are the three and, bands. And while we're loving us some Gen Con on uh, Gen Con online right now, uh, is there a place that uh, potential players or especially potential GMs to go look at some of the other events that this is going to be running at? I don't think we have them listed anywhere it is something i can pull together and put in the discord so people can find it there and i'll ask right. the online region to throw it up in theirs 
Excellent. That actually brings up something uh, Magard said earlier when you were saying that if people are interested in GMing, reach out. Uh, he would like to know where to, or they would like to know where to reach out. Uh, come into the Discord and let us know. Uh, just ping uh, the HQ. If you do an at HQ on duty, it will send a message to into the group that's right there and we can respond and get you to the right uh, regional venture coordinator that will be able to pick you up and get you involved. In fact, uh, we found a new event organizer GM last night who had submitted several PFS1 events to Gen Con outside of our big load of events. They just said, oh, I want to run. I'm going to you know, get some tickets, have these events. And then they came and said, okay, so where do we report our game? And we're like, <laughs> um, well, you're not one of ours. So what do? And so we got it all sorted out. And now we've got a new event organizer in the Minneapolis online region. So. Oh, fantastic. So uh, a 1E specific uh, coordinator? Nope, just happened to throw those three games up because they noticed they weren't on the schedule and they wanted to do something different. But yeah, definitely, gang, if any of you are watching this right now and you love GMing games or you'd like to throw in, I guarantee you that there are some players that would be happy to have you right now. So yeah, seriously, yeah. Uh, people watching live, if you, uh, if you can help out, maybe consider helping out right now. I guess that's another advantage in that in, if in Indianapolis, a couple of GMs had to back out, that's it. You've still got a finite number of uh, GMs, but you could literally reach out to anyone in the world and be like, we need GMs. Where are the GMs out there? Our coordinator has actually been doing that all week as we uh -huh. had the cancellations come through. They were going out on Facebook. They were going mm -hmm. to different channels. Hey, I've got a table that needs coverage. We've sold all the tickets. Anyone willing to come and help? And uh, we covered them all, so no mean feat. And and she, Heather Vigil, has been extremely proactive along with the, the Gen Con organizing team that works on the volunteer side. And you How said many that, tables are we talking about? Uh, for the special now, I think we're up at 72 for the PFS one. So a you, little bit smaller than physical. Normally we have about 100 physical tables in the SAG, but the VTT issue is definitely a learning curve for a lot of our GMs that you know, pen and paper is nothing, but putting it into an online space makes it a little harder. And you said that the, the special is happening in the afternoon, but you guys got games running off around the clock. Oh yeah. 8 a.m., 2 p.m., 8, 8 p.m. We're not running them 2 a.m. this year. We, we decided that... <laughs> um, that one started because we didn't want to leave the Sagamore empty. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's just one of those, we've got this big space. Why aren't we using it? We need to use it for something. I felt so guilty just closing the doors and walking away. Uh, so we started... St. Petersburg's GMs are just willing and ready to go. <laughs> we want to go. Uh, we did. For PaisoCon Online and for Concurrent, we, we ran later slots that were picked up either in Australia or over in, in the Europe-Asia area. But for this one, the HQ staff, we just kind of said, you know, we needed a, it's a bigger in scope, so we needed a little bit smaller in time to save our sanity. Uh, Balthstani in chat is saying it's scary to try online GMing and they agree about a learning curve. Now, I know for PaizoCon, uh, leading up to it, there was a real like education movement to make sure that people were comfortable with uh, virtual tabletops, both on the player and GM side. Uh, first of all, what were the results of that um, PaizoCon and how was that uh, similarly handled going into Gen Con? Uh, it worked really well for PaizoCon. We had 1,200 events, which is the largest PaizoCon we've ever run. Um, our room there takes 50 tables. We run 10 slots, so we've been capped at 500 tables for the mm. entire run of PaizoCon. And unless we find a different home than the Doubletree, that's kind of what we're always going to have. 
Um, but yeah, 1200 events uh, over those days. Now we added a couple of days. So you kind of got to, it's not quite apples to apples. And, and that's um, sort of, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Pam. That sort of brings the question I have about like the virtual tabletop requirements and all that jazz playing online, uh, like a sort of expectation. Um, like, what are the requirements there for getting a game online? Not like specific virtual tabletops, but capabilities. Like, what about GMs that would be, you know, something that would be a lot less technically intimidating is if they just ran it theater of the mind style and just used a dice roller. We have uh, one GM that runs just in Discord and uses Google Slides to put the maps up so mm. that people can see and then does everything with uh, either the slide or theater of the mind. I'm going to go to the space. Um, you can number, do a grid, the letters and the numbers so that everyone could just say, I'm going to move to A5 or I'm moving to B7. And then, you know, if, as long as the GM knows where people are and what's going on, it really doesn't matter. We have no hard requirements on what mm -hmm. people need to do. Um, and how does GMs be comfortable? I mean, how does this translate over even back in the meat space? I've always like, I've always run PFS games, you know, with miniatures and maps and flip maps and stuff. But what if there aren't minis or maps? Is that something that's still PFS uh, capable? As long as you're running those encounters the way they're written and there's a way for you to have those combats, uh, no, you don't have to have it. Most GMs do just because it makes that visual representation. We're visual people. And so, but uh, we have several blind GMs uh, mm -hmm. who run for us who have to do everything through theater of the mind mm -hmm. because they're getting all of their, their pieces just in you know auditory form. So um, oftentimes they'll have a map put down and they'll have someone sitting next to them that's responsible for giving visually cued people the, you know, to, to give them what they're used to inputting, but we do have ways to work around it. Um, and our online region is still spinning up GMs into the VTTs. So mm -hmm. if there's any questions that they have, come find us, we'll get people in, you know, connected. Uh, I have to learn how to run on a VTT between now and September because Ooh. I have promised SkullCon that I will come out and run the same number of games that I would have run in their physical con in their digital one. Um, I've been exempt from the big cons because I'm so busy in HQ that I never quite take the time to get down to the tables. But for this one, uh, yeah. So I'm going to be running some trial games <laughs> on, uh, I think I'm leaning towards Foundry. That one really has parked mm -hmm. my interest. It's not as macro heavy. It feels like it took all the lessons from Fantasy Grounds and Roll20 and D20 Pro and kind of boiled them into a, a better user experience and easier user experience. And there's a lot of community around it that's excited. It just launched last May, right at PaizoCon. It was coming into its own. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, Roll20 is the favorite. It's where the tables are. Um, we've got a partnership with them. We've got a partnership with Fantasy Grounds and D20 Pro to get things into their shops. So uh, if you're a GM that doesn't want to build your own tables, but just wants them ready for you, uh, that is something that Paizo is looking at supplying to that need. So in the next little while, we may have some more information on that. But we are looking that the demand on the VTTs right now is huge. And how can we help GMs get into that space without the learning curve? Now, we've been talking a lot about logistics, which I find fascinating, and we haven't <laughs> lost our audience, so apparently they do as well. But just to have something a little bit more fun, one of the first things that uh, was said in the chat was a comment from uh, Coro7600 asking about button uh, booth buttons. Oh, yes. Well, Jason Bullman 
has decided to produce the booth buttons this year because he, he's been feeling the lack of Indianapolis Gen Con. Mm -hmm. um, he's also hanging out on his Twitch uh, to have office hours or booth hours if you want to head on <laughs> over there. Um, I don't think there's a regular schedule for it. It's just kind of check him out on Twitch and see if, if he's streaming or not. Uh, and he produced day one. And unfortunately, day one is no longer available because, well, we're not on day one anymore. And that's how the buttons go. Uh, but day two is still available. If you head over to his Twitch, it might still be available. Um, we also have a few that he created just for us because this Agamore usually has ours. Do you want to share them? Sure. Here we go. These are the uh, Society uh, buttons uh, that has been helpfully provided. Yep. So these will be available from our social media and from the Discord. So you can go ahead and come on over and pick them up too. So um, our social media team, Peyton, is putting them together as overlays and things you can use on your streams and whatnot. And can you just walk us through the meaning of each of the buttons? So the top one, the Starfinder Society, that is the year of Exploration's Edge. And we kind of went, Exploration's Edge this year doesn't have a meta plot, a single one, it has three. And so it's symbolic of those three different ones, near space, space exploration, um, and, and down into some of the planets. The Pathfinder Society is the burning pine uh, from the Iowarian forests, which is where our metaplot's taking us this year. And the bottom one, the Adventure Card Society, is a control undead talisman from Karamaga for the year of Reborn Strife. There's also well, that, two things I appreciate. They're little touches. One of them is that the font choice is, uh, I don't know the name of this font, but it is very computer text. Apparently, mm -hmm. probably the name of the font. No, there's thousands of fonts. Okay. Well, it's one of those. If Whatever you're picturing, if you're not looking at it right now. Also, the inclusion of 2020, because Gen Con's just been calling it Gen Con Online, but it's nice to know, like, all of the other uh, Paizo Gen Con buttons have had the year on them, so I'm glad that that was included here, even though it's outside of the name of the event. Mm -hmm. Well, there's been speculation that now that we've unleashed the online convention mm -hmm. genie from the bottle, that we will never actually be able to put it all the way away. <laughs> um, and that's actually been some conversations around the office as well. So we're not sure what 2021 looks like yet. Uh, I, you know, one government, two COVID, three. I really hope it's better than this year. Um, <laughs> I, I'm feeling my lack of travel, but uh, we don't want to say no to anything at this point and we'll let people know more as we start making our 2021 plans but there is also the the curse of saying the first annual and there never being a second annual so yep they played it safer they played it superstitious this is why yep. this should be they the fourth annual in con 2020 <laughs> <laughs> as long as it's not the groundhog's day reoccurring that we oh, just have to live 2020 no. over I, and I over can't, and over again. no no <laughs> So uh, people must have been happy that the APG, which came out yesterday, the first day of Gen Con, was uh, pre-approved for Pathfinder Society. So this has been on the team's radar forever. Um, mm -hmm. We keep saying, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to get in front of this, our people want our options. And the stars aligned, um, Michael Sayer, James Case sat down and just really knock it out of the park because not only did they sanction APG, but they sanctioned Legends as well. So there weren't a lot of options in that one, but it's indicative of us trying to do day one or pre-day one sanctioning so that players know what they can expect out of the books that are coming. Speaking and of some of the all caps replies of yes, and this is so great. <laughs> Mad props to the OP team from Adam Daigle. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, speaking of some of the uh, the approved options, one of the big fun surprises was that kobolds PFS go right away. Kobolds for all. Kobolds. Why? Why? Because we've been watching the reporting conditions off of the Sewer Dragons scenarios for mm -hmm. several years now, plus the popularity of playing kobolds in uh, 6-99, the special that uh, brought him in, and everyone seemed to love him. So we said, you know what, uh, we're very cognizant of the fact that we're locking some of the other ancestries behind our achievement point system, and we're saying, you know, these are reserved uh, kind of to replace the GM boons everyone can get to them, but it's going to be harder for some people. So let's give those everyone. Let's just, everyone needs some shiny and then we'll parcel out the other shinies as we start releasing them. Mm -hmm. And it's probably early to have hard data, but what is the general response? What's the vibe of the response you felt towards Cobalt being legal for everybody? Uh, better than goblins being legal for everyone. I think we laid the groundwork <laughs> with that one. <laughs> Oh, that was even us, um, like, when we did our, our speculations when all that was announced, we were like, huh, oh, they didn't go with kobolds because of, you know, all of the giant hints that they might someday go with kobolds. <laughs> yeah, um, it just, it came down to, I think, Lisa saying goblins are iconic to Pathfinder, mm -hmm. and that really kind of, everyone just couldn't dispute that fact, so mm -hmm. it made the choice a little bit cleaner. Um but yeah, I, the kobolds are going over pretty well. I haven't seen any at the tables I've kind of been popping in at yet. I've seen more Lushies, um, but I don't know if that's <laughs> Linda's influence. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop that up to Linda being our Lushy overlord. <laughs> are Lushies legal for all two? Uh, no, they are at 80 achievement points. So a, a, a decent amount of playing if you're just playing at home. Not too bad if you're playing at a convention. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious about the general audience, because earlier you were talking about how you were um, expecting a certain reaction to the special based on new players showing up and not wanting to saddle them with a fifth level player, uh, sorry, fifth level pregen. So how many new players are you expecting to show up and how much is this like a real veterans con? I would say we're 50-50 right now. Um, we're asking our tech team to pull some data on the creation of organized play numbers between... Uh, probably April, so we can see just a little bit before PaizoCon through to after Gen Con. But tangential experience, anecdotal experience says we have a lot of new players showing up and a lot of new GMs who have been jamming other systems and then said, oh, well, if you're going to be online and I'm looking for more things to do, I need something, you know, something else to do. I, I've run out of my content in my other games. So mm -hmm. what do? Um, so I think, yeah, we're, we're pretty 50-50. And what so, about globally? Because I assume the two o'clock start time or the afternoon start time was like it was an optimal time zone start time for the most number of, of countries. So how many people from around the world are you expecting or how many different countries are represented in the players? Uh, we know that we're running in six languages and uh, just dropping through right before I came on here, I was looking at the Starfinder chat channels for the interactive and just kind of popping in, listening a little bit and popping out. Um, and we had a good Good representation from Australia. We had a good representation, like I said, the Russian table and uh, players in Germany, players in the UK. I think uh, we are much more international just by being online. And mm -hmm. if if I have to find a, a silver lining to 2020, it is that our community has grown closer in that we don't have to worry about the physical barriers. We're just able to all pop in and chat online and we're making friends everywhere. 
Now, what about, speaking of the other games to give it into, how has the Starfinder side of things been going here at Gen Con? Uh, really good. Um, we've seen a few tables collapse, but most of them are year one older scenarios. Uh, the new stuff is, is being played. Um, I, I think everyone's been waiting for the, the interactive today to poke J Datch, finally get a chance to, to punch her in the face and, and make some resolution to the apples. Uh, uh, and there's a new favorite uh, NPC, Susie from Accounting, uh, was the creation. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if Jenny Drazabski, the author, or Thirsty put the first hints of that in and then went, but uh, where Susie has wound up is just fantastic. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a hint, come, come check it out if nothing else for Susie, <laughs> but, um, I, I think really well, we, we did about 40% Pathfinder two, 30% mm -hmm. uh, Starfinder and 20% mm -hmm. of Pathfinder one and, and the Asia, the card game. So, um, if you look at the Gen Con schedule, most things say sold out, sold out. There's handfuls of things in there. Grumpy Hoosier in chat is saying they wanted to play, but they know nothing about Starfinder, including character creation, didn't want to drag the game down near the beginning. Uh, do you have any advice for them? Yeah, come on in. We will give you a pre-gen. You can play that for the first uh, session. You still get character credit, even if you're playing one of our pre-generated pre iconic characters. And then we will walk you through creating your first character and get you into another game. So, um, all of the level one to sevens are listed as uh, learners. Welcome, we will teach the game. It won't drag it down. Mm -hmm. uh, even if the GM's running the game, there's always players that are experienced that are willing to help you figure out what's going on, walk you through things. Um, we're all on learning curves with the VTTs or, or the online systems we're using. And then, uh, you know, then you won't be inexperienced. And all we ask is that you pay it forward. Once you're comfortable talking, then you help someone else come into the game. Yeah, chat kind of reflects that everyone is replying to Grumpy Hoosier and just like yep. offering advice, offering to be there for them. I mean, I've GM'd at Gen Con like years and years and years, uh, and there is almost always more first timers at my low level tables than there are veterans at my low level tables. And it's never been a problem. Everybody is always happy when new blood shows up because that it grows the hobby for everyone. Um, and I do want to commend, and this has been like part of society, not just for Starfinder, but for Pathfinder society for, for ages, the idea that you start with a pregen because, you know, you need this, you know, I'm playing now. I decided I was going to play 10 minutes ago. We're playing now. Um, that you can keep that credit and then make it part of the PC that you end up creating. That little sentence alone has helped me convince people to stay for a table they were on the edge of playing or not. Um, do you know why that is? I think it's because no one wants to feel like their time's wasted. And so if I come in and I play five hours and didn't like it, okay, I've played five hours, I'm done. But if I played five hours and like it, well, that's five hours I'll never get back. To, I have to start again. I feel like I'm repeating myself. So by taking that barrier to entry off, we're saying, no, play it and come in. Um, it's not available right now because it was a free RPG day adventures, but we had Skitter Home and Little Trouble and Big Absalom, speaking of mm -hmm. kobolds, uh, both of those will get you some credit so that you can come in, play those at your, your uh, friendly local gaming store, or as soon as the uh, August 25th embargo date 
comes by, you can play in, in your local game. Have fun, enjoy. If you like what you see, come on in and we'll, we'll get you involved in more. And we have 18 regions worldwide and a network of volunteers that's almost a thousand in strength that are here to help take that, I've spent five hours and enjoyed it, where do I go now into, I'm an active part of society and I'm ready to play. Now, there is being, currently a Starfinder playtest going on. How does is. that interact with Pathfinder, uh, with Starfinder Society rather, and Gen Con games specifically? You can play the Nanosite at any Starfinder table. Uh, there are directions on the website for in the playtest for actually making your pre-generated character because we didn't <laughs> make formal ones. Um, you will get credit. Those characters will be frozen. You won't be able to play a Nanosite until the book comes out then. So mm -hmm. you can play it and try it during the playtest. You can acquire credit. And then we just put it on ice for, a, it's normally about six months. I don't know what the full dates are. And then once the, the book gets published, you'll be able to pick that character back up, bring that character in agreement with what the final rules were and what the society uh, character options become, and then move that character on. Uh, I also noticed that the Humble Bundle announcement came up and that's a really good way for yeah. the players to get involved too, because that's a core rule book right there um, if you go in at the top tier or it's a lot of pdfs if you don't if you just want the digital tiers um, mm -hmm. but that will get you all the information you need to get started yeah you can get a second edition core rulebook uh digital at like just the five dollar entry level and all the way up to like a physical actual shipped to you core rulebook at the 30 dollar backer order plus plus shipping um though it is important to note that you will still get it if you order it at that point and you'll get the pdf immediately but that was so much success on that promotion that you ran out of core rulebooks and the new printing is on the way we did um <laughs> I'm glad people really like the Humble Bundle. Uh, you know, for, for us, anytime that we see our books are going over well, whether it's the ABG, the, the Humble Bundle, um, there, there's a feeling of satisfaction inside. We are all at the office passionate about what we do and very much involved mm -hmm. in these products. And we give heart and soul and blood, sweat, tears to them. So mm -hmm. when they go into the public and the public is so happy and, and well receiving of them, it's just... You know, it, it's like, for me, it's like standing in the sag. Oh my mm -hmm. goodness, all these people are enjoying playing our game. This is, <laughs> it brings um, a level of feedback back to us that what we do matters to someone and that they really mm -hmm. want to see us do more. And so then we buckle down and we, you know, do more things or we move the needle a little bit further in, in pushing for, you know, our industry or how we want to see the world and that we want the world we want to see represented in the games we create, um, which is a really strong message as well. Something more you all have started doing, debuting here at Gen Con, is the bounty system. Uh, can you tell us how that's been received or maybe tell some people that might not know what the bounties are? So a year ago, we tried to find a way to get people involved in organized play that wasn't the five-hour commitment. Because, you know, we were talking about five hours, you can't get back. Well, come try an hour. That You know, if you like it, there's more. Um but they were still really tied to Pathfinder Society lore. You needed to know what the society was, who the players were. It furthered some storylines and it wasn't quite what we were envisioning. It was a great product, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't what we thought we needed, which was that bridge between, hey, I have never played RPGs or I've played some RPGs, but I've never played Pathfinder or I just don't know, you know. Um, and so we took the bounties and we stripped out all of that Pathfinder Society pieces of it. There's not a venture captain briefing. 
there's not a whole bunch of extra rules. The um, If you play them and use them in society, you have to have society legal characters, but that's kind of the extent that we've, we've put society framework around this. So it's a quick one hour adventure that will slot into a home game. It would slot into an ongoing campaign or it can be part of the society. So it's a, a more flexible product. Mm -hmm. um, it was the brainchild of Michael Sarah. I've got to, to, to give him the kudos on that one. He said, he goes, you know, what if you're an adventurer, you're a Pathfinder Society agent and you've just been sent on a mission and you come back and you're like, okay, well, I need my next mission. They're like, well, we don't have anything right now. And you're like, oh but you can go down through this village that you just came back through. And here's this board in the, you know, on the, the common on the green, and it's got all of these little slips of paper. And one of them happens to say, Oh, we need to go, you know, defeat a thousand worm. Oh, well, um, sure. I like cash. I'll take that, that little bit of extra in my pocket. Uh, so it's kind of that idea that this is what pathfinders do in their downtime, or it's what any other adventurers would do when they're just out looking for adventure. It's that way of finding the job. So, uh, we expect to see more of them for right now, their first level, because we want to spin them up and use them as a way of onboarding, uh, especially with the beginner box coming out. We see them as a really good bridge between what the adventures are in that box and any other adventures that you might want to do. So it kind of eases you into to kind of the, the product line of, of Paizo. Um, but it also, uh, we do see maybe going higher as the demand and how we you know, we always put a product out. We go, well, how do you use it? And then we go, oh, okay, well, yeah, it's doing what we intended for it. Great. We're going to leave it. We're not going to mess with it. Or mm -hmm. no, maybe we need to, to kind of tweak it a little bit, make some changes. There's suddenly a lot of love in chat right now for the warehouse team to the point that Itsune Warlock just re redeemed 5,000 chat points to give them a hero point. Ooh. <laughs> That's a pretty big investment. <laughs> They and customer service have both been, um, I think, on the, the heavy lifting end of uh, mm. Paizo since oh. we wound up working from home um, because they the warehouse can't work from home. There's no way that we can ask them to ship books out of there. So they are the mm. one crew that has to go in every day. Um, the rest of us are staying away to give them the, the space they need and the environment they need to, to mm. function. Um, but yeah, they're, they're making sure that all of those books go out. Cause when the books don't go out, we can keep creating, you know, the, the whole editorial team mm -hmm. creates, but if we're not shipping them anywhere, <laughs> mm -hmm. there's kind of a backlog, mm -hmm. um, you know, and customer service, I've got to give them a call out there. Whenever there's a problem, they're there to help people out. They are a little backlogged. Um, when everything shifted to email, not phones, not forums, not other things, it kind of put a crunch on them. Uh, you know, and I'll admit it, I'm not working at full speed. Uh, just being isolated has taken its toll on, you know, and not traveling on myself. Um, so I think they're doing a fantastic job given mm -hmm. the parameters and what they have to, to go against to keep everything running. So um, for those of you that have sent emails to customer service, patience, uh, they are working through them. They will get to them, um, but it is a backlog. Yeah. I mean, I have... Uh... I don't know if I need to say fortunate or unfortunate uh, ex uh, chance to interact with customer service. And I only mean that by when I have to interact with customer service, usually it's because something unfortunate happened. But mm -hmm. they have always been real good superheroes and they've always responded absolutely pleasantly and gotten any tiny little issue that I've had resolved, be it like... You know, the Postal Service decided to play football with my uh, collector's edition or 
that that happened <laughs> or oh. oh oops you guys accidentally sent me two of these uh, how do i get you one back <laughs> yeah no it's um you know paizo is a lot of different departments a lot of uh we like to think well-oiled machinery working together we've got the marketing department the finance department the warehouse customer service op mm -hmm. the different pieces of editorial design development mm -hmm. um and we used to be small. We're not small anymore. We're medium sized. And, um, you know, that brings with it other challenges because there's more people involved. But I think we all come together and we really just want to give the fans what yeah. they want is top, yeah. top notch tabletop role playing experience. Mm. Customer service is so important, too. I mean, my marketing background has long since taught me that customers in general have more faith in a company if something has gone wrong and they have corrected it well than if nothing has ever gone wrong at all because they don't know how a company will handle things if something would go wrong. And honestly, your team's always been fantastic to work with. Yeah, no, they are a wonderful set of people wonderful set of people i can talk mm -hmm. today mm -hmm. <laughs> um and we we just we send much love to them for everything that they do for us well, and if you all you only need to talk for about five more minutes before this is over <laughs> and then you can get back to typing for the rest of the day <laughs> yeah, yeah we back on the discord we have to very very carefully cut this one off at the exact time because there's some fantastic live play happening right after this that you all will not want to miss uh, but if you want to give the warehouse people some more work Right now, you can by going to puzzle.com and redeeming the Gen Con 2020 discount code, which will give you 20% off one order from puzzle.com. There are like a few tiny like limitations, like not other people's PDFs, I think is one of them. But for the most part, just about all the stuff you're going to want, uh, you can get a pretty decent discount uh that is going to be fantastic it's good until august 2nd and again it is gen con 2020 all one word all lowercase and you can do that at the puzzle.com slash store address yep and um for us our next conventions like i said we're going to be doing virtually uk or virtually expo uh here in i believe it's two weeks three weeks hmm. uh, under the helm of rvc ian hawthorne uh, we've got a presence we know of at DragonCon. While it's mm -hmm. not a Paizo-directed presence, uh, our RVC David Shaw is going to take on that one. Uh, we're looking at PAX Online, which is what replaced PAX Australia and PAX West. They are doing both weekends and the entire week between. So we're working wow. on what games are going to be there. We don't think we're going to stretch it quite all 12 days. Um, that would be a marathon <laughs> that I don't know we're up for, but we will definitely have some gaming in there uh, to help them out. And then we're still looking at once they finish up with online, they're going to decide if they're going to use PAX Unplugged and make it PAX Replugged or uh, what they're going to do with that one. And that would be the other one we're going to support. Um, we've got PaizoCon Frankia still going on. Uh, mm -hmm. It is our one uh, in-person convention this year because Switzerland is allowing small gatherings and that convention mm. happens in a garden. So if you've ever wanted to <laughs> out in the middle of someone's backyard um, with lovely weather and I think they've got cheese fountains or beer fountains or something. I've, I've heard different stories. I've never actually gotten to go. So it's on my, my it was on my list of things and you know, we're not traveling right now. So I'll have to wait till 2021. But uh, I, yeah, it's mm. 
it's Geneva, Switzerland. You can't really argue with that destination. No. I mean, I, this is like making its way high on my list of cons to get to. I'd totally show up if it wasn't illegal for me to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I looked at it. I really thought about it. I'm like 14 days quarantine on one side or the other. And then they came out with the U.S. can't travel anyway. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, that kind of makes my decision mm -hmm. for me. But 28 days quarantine, I am still working from home. Um, but yeah, it's uh, under uh, RBC Benoit gross is heading mm -hmm. that one and they just they got permissions from the government and they've done all of their their due diligence to make it uh, socially mm -hmm. responsible but it's Fantastic. for those that have been longer term it's what used to be garden con is mm. morphing into paizocon francia and then um unfortunately uh you know we're, we're hoping 2021 gets better for the travel arrangements i am building a budget and building a travel schedule with the intention of going places next mm -hmm. year oh yeah knock on wood knock on a lot of wood now, Thirsty's Canadian. You could just send him all around the world. Mm -mm. We could, but then that means Starfinder Society scenarios wouldn't be coming out on time. So there, right. there's a oh, balance good. there. No, yeah. no. Oh, Thirsty is a treasure. <laughs> I think we're about he ready to He is my, my, um, my escape plan. If something goes really <laughs> wrong. <laughs> oh, those are so important yeah. these days. But... Yeah. You all do not need to escape. You need to stick around because we've got more fantastic streaming content coming up right after this will be the Q times where they'll be doing the Court of Corvids. Sorry. Court of Corvids live play from 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock p.m. tonight. That is EDT time, Eastern time, you know, as if we were actually at Gen Con, which we are actually at Gen Con. We're just yep. all actually at Gen Con everywhere. Everyone's and then and then tomorrow you be sure to tune in at noon for a special uh announcement from beatles and grims which has been teased in the uh Paso 2020 and beyond panel and then we will all be back with behind the Pro the products with mark moreland a person i am always happy to talk about at these conventions especially PazoCon and gen con uh, with that will be, of course, a, a No Direction hosted event, as and then we will get to some of the fantastic panels with Ask the Experts Pathfinder RPG Q&A at 2, and then, of course, a complete day of content after that. And then, of course, Sunday, we continue on the, uh, the production. So stick around, stay tuned, and don't leave us. But for right now, at least us three, we're going to be signing off. So thank you all so much. Bye. Thank you, Tanya. Mm -hmm. The No Direction Network's PaizoCon Online 2020 seminar coverage was made possible by the KDCon team, consisting of Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param. Ryan Costello, Alexander Agunas, Monica Marlowe, Vanessa Hoskins, Dustin Knight, and Andrew Sturtevant. For more great Pathfinder, Starfinder, and other RPG news, reviews, podcasts, and blogs, check out NoDirectionPodcast.com. <laughs>